What's up, guys? Welcome back to the EG Pop Thunder with your boy, the young, light-skinned key sweat. Here with my guy, Coach Dunbar, the founder and director of Breakthrough Elite 7 on 7 former head coach at Westerly High School and the director of Breakthrough Football Academy. Prior to Westerly, Coach Dunbar was the head coach at Coventry High School in his first season as the head coach at Coventry. The Oakers broke a 13-year losing streak to the Thanksgiving rival West Warwick, beating the Wizards for the first time since 2004. For his efforts in the rookie season, Coach Dunbar was awarded Division II B Coach of the Year. A Rhode Island native, he played his high school ball at St. Raphael Academy, baby, in Pawtucket. In his senior season, he led the Saints to a 13-0 record and a Division I state championship. As the star quarterback for the Saints, he was named first-team All-State by the Providence Journal and Rhode Island Gridiron Player and Back of the Year by the Providence Gridiron Club. He went on to play his college ball at Dean College for two seasons, helping the Bulldogs win back-to-back conference championships as an all-conference defensive back before earning a scholarship to the University of Rhode Island, where he was a two-year starter at cornerback. Coach Dunbar got his, got his start in his coaching at Portsmouth High School in Rhode Island and had his head coaching stints at American International College, Dean College, Coventry High School, and currently, well, formerly at Westerly. That was a mouthful, easily the longest introduction I had. I lost my breath for a second. That is a quite... Of an intro right there, my guy Stanley Dunbar, baby. S, get him. Glad you came through to the EG Pot of Thunder. Yes, sir, my man. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I've known you since I think you were freshman in high school. So to see all the great things you're doing with this podcast is dope. Um, it's great for the culture, great for Rhode Island, and I uh, just see you continuing to grow, my brother. Wish you nothing but the best. Oh man, I think you appreciate that, and I I think that's where we have that bond too, man, because we have that um desire to see Rhode Island and Rhode Island football grow and I think there's so much potential and things that people like outside of Rhode Island have not seen yet is that something like you you take pride of as well yeah man um we all know Rhode Island has talent and uh coming from this state growing up here and uh playing high school football here and trying to get to that next level coming out of Rhode Island we all know it can be difficult so um really with breakthrough and everything that I'm doing is just to give back to the youth um I want to be that guy that I wish I would have had when I was in high school so um, I know, you know, based off of my experience as a college coach, as a former Division One college athlete, I kind of know what that process looks like and how to get recognized by the next level. So my goal is just to help these young boys get to the next level, help them develop um, and get better as football players, but also help them get that exposure and get out of Rhode Island and go talk to those um, college coaches, go talk to those scouts, get to those camps. Um, because, you know, coming from a small state like Rhode Island, those colleges, those scouts aren't necessarily going to come looking for you. You got to go find them. We just gave a whole bunch of information right there. I want to start off. I'm not sure if you talked about some previous podcasts or anything like that. You said on you wish you had something like that in high school. So when you're in high school, like what did you wish you had? Like, did you not have like just like a father figure or like uncle or cousins in your life? Because um, as we started getting like uh, after high school, I haven't seen you for a while. Then we kind of reconnected when my brother was playing high school football and he was in the seven on seven circuit and stuff like that. And so I didn't have that neither going up. You know, my parents were, um, they were both first time, uh, first generation immigrants. So, you know, they're familiar with literally the sport, but not really, you know, my dad, you know, he's one of those like bandwagon fans. He knows what he's talking about. He does not know what he's talking about. Yep. Acts like he does, but he, he didn't know like, you know, the technique, he didn't know where to sign me up, the good thing. So, I kind of just had it like the, you know, the brunt of it, mm-hmm. but Brandon kind of took over and I was like, all right, I know, you know, where to go to. I know who's it in Rhode Island right now. So I'm um, like, so for you, like, did you not have that growing up neither? So, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from the coaches that I had growing up. I had some great coaches growing up that, you know, took good care of me and kind of had my back and wished me nothing but the best. Um, you know, I grew up playing football in the city of Providence for the West Elmwood Intruders, had some great coaches there. Ty Dale, Rodney Bustello, Coach Gary, um, Correa. Um, and after that, when I was at St. Ray's, Mike Sassy did a hell of a job. I mean, he, he cared about me. And um, I would say, you know, in high school, the guy that kind of behind the scenes did a lot was uh, Coach Chill, uh, Akilah Young-Gambi. Um, he was a former University of Rhode Island football player. He came back and started coaching at St. Ray's my junior year, I think it was. He was a DB coach, and he kind of took me, Monk, Gene, a bunch of those guys, Niall, under his wing and uh, really helped us become better. Um, but, you know, 
there wasn't that many opportunities back then to get out there and, and, and to compete besides camps. You know, nowadays there's seven on sevens. There's all different type of things you can do to go out there and show these uh, scouts and coaches that you can ball. But back then it was just camps. But he kind of put us on to camps and training and different stuff like that in the offseason. So definitely want to give uh, Coach Chill his flowers. Yeah, man, Coach Chill is the man. Like, even with me, he uh, helped me out through a, a bunch of things as well. And, like, do you think that, like, ingrained, like, that um, – because he was doing things like what you do right now. Like, you're going, you know, above and beyond for these players. Do you think that kind of, um, you know, set that in the back of your head and you didn't even notice it? Yeah, man. Uh, it's just about, like, you know, Coach Chill kind of played college ball, so he knew what it was like at URI. And uh, he saw potential in us, and he came back and really pushed us to get to that next level. So – that's what, I, that's what I'm trying to do. We all know Rhode Island kids can ball, but it's like we, we need to develop. You know, I think that's the biggest thing from Rhode Island to other states. So one thing that a lot of people don't know about me is my freshman year of high school, I went to high school in Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee, um, at West High School. And um, when I was there as a freshman, I was balling. You know, I was really one of the better kids on the, on the freshman team. When I told my coaches I was moving back to Rhode Island, they was like trying to get me to move with them and stuff. So, and I seen it then, it's like, I think the separation happens for guys down south in those other states. The separation happens in high school. Um, so like, cause they got lip, like we, I had a class my freshman year called weightlifting. Where like fresh like football players on the team during school period will go into the weight room and lift for like a grade. So I just That's think wild. it's a little different. The, uh, the the infrastructure down south is a little different. So I see the separation happen a lot of times at the high school level. So, you know, with a lot of things that we do at Breakthrough, it really started out at the high school level to really help our kids develop on a year-round basis. And then we've just been able to continue to expand. Now we got kids as young as 12 years old, 11, um, tapped in and trying to get better. That's what's up. That takes a lot of uh, effort. We can get into Breakthrough in a little bit. But why? The, I'd never know this either, so I'm going to find out right now. So... Did you move to Tennessee strictly for football? Well, I moved to Tennessee in middle school, man. Growing up in Providence, I was a little bit of a knucklehead, <laughs> you know, not getting in trouble with the law yeah, or anything, yeah. but just not taking care of business in the classroom. My mom's a single mom growing up in the inner city. Um, she, she sent me out to live with my uncle and my three cousins. Um, so she was just trying to find her, a best way to give me some, some male direction. Mm -hmm. So moving out there with my uncle was a, was a blessing. Um, playing football in Tennessee my freshman year was a blessing. When I moved back, I thought it kind of... That's where I learned how to play corner, man, to be completely honest with you. You think you know? it, got, it got that dog out of you? Yeah, it got that dog out of me, and it just gave me that mentality that if I can compete down here, I can compete against anybody. So it was definitely a blessing in disguise, but it was strictly just my mom trying to, you know, steer me in the right direction. That's crazy. I have two things. One, that's crazy because all your for well, former and current breakthrough athletes say the same thing, like breakthrough instills that dog in you that like no matter who you are, I can guard you. Facts. So that kind of, you, you learned that in Tennessee and yeah. now they're all learning that from you. Facts. And that's, that's, and that's what you need, man. Yeah. At the next level, at the college level, bro, it's competitive, man. You got to be a dog. It's really survival of the fittest because, you know, everybody was the man in high school. So when you go to the next level, everybody's going to be good. So you really got to have that dog and you got to want it because if you don't, man, you're not going to survive. You think, especially corner, I think corner is probably the toughest position in football. Sure. Do you think... Every, like A lot of people can have the technique, but do you think one thing a lot of people are missing would be the dog at corner? Yeah, it's a mentality. You know, there's a lot of guys that can run, jump, you know, and do all that, but not a lot of guys can bounce back when you get beat on a 60-yard touchdown and, you, and the guy catches the ball and everybody in the stands sees that you made a mistake. You know, if you're playing, you know, defensive line, offensive line, you get beat. It might not be that glaring, you know. Everybody in the in the in the at the game might not know that you got beat, but when you're <laughs> corner, you get beat. Everybody knows it. Bro, it's the craziest thing. Yeah, it can be ten plays, yeah. nine <laughs> out of ten plays locked down. Facts. That one corner out. Yep. Yo, SD sucks. <laughs> SD sucks. Take his ass out. Yeah. It's like, bro, the nine other ones, I just locked this dude down. Yeah, but shit, you as a corner man, you really got to have the mentality that you're never gonna get beat. I think that's what it takes to be a corner. Every single time. You line up in man-to-man -man coverage and you're going against somebody. You got to have the mentality like this guy ain't catching the ball before the before the snaps before the ball's even snapped. Because if you if you second guessing yourself when you're up at that line, man, most likely you're gonna get beat. So you got to have that mentality like you're not getting off the line, you're not catching the ball. Yeah, that's uh, from two years starter corner at URI himself. And um, I'll get back. The second thing of that was that's kind of what I was going at the first time when I asked you. So like you're not having like that father figure. So you think. 
you know, that uncle, your uncle played a role helping you out with having that. So kind of, do you think that in the back of your head, cause I feel like you are like a father figure, possibly like a mentor to a lot of these kids in Rhode Island right now. So like, do you think you're filling that void for a lot of these kids in Rhode Island right now? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of these kids come from different situations. You know, some of them got, you know, strong male figures at the, you know, in their households, but um, definitely as a role model and as a mentor, I think I give a lot of kids hope, you know, as an Afri African-American man um, in Rhode Island in a predominantly white state where they don't see a lot of African-American coaches. They may be growing up in a city where they don't see a lot of black males doing what I'm doing and uh, having success doing it. They might be looking at me and saying, you know what, Coach Dunbar is successful. Um, he's doing what he loves. You know, that's what I want to do one day. So if, if I am, that's great. I don't really look for that. But if, if, if that's what it's doing, man, um, I'm definitely happy. I want to inspire these kids to strive and be great athletes, but also just be successful in life because one day or, or another, that game's going to stop. So you're saying one, one day or another, the game's going to stop. Are you – what's, like, your thought when you're developing these kids? Is it to get better after you're done playing, or do you have to have that hard conversation with them? Coach Washington had this conversation with me on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Are you just being real with these kids and like, hey, Coach Dunbar, I want to be in the league? Mm -hmm. Are you giving them that real assessment, that real talk, or are you like, how is that conversation going with you know these kids? Because a lot of these kids, I mean, Quiddy's showing you can do it, Nashawn's yeah. showing you can do it, so it's definitely a possibility now in Rhode yeah. Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, is it like just player by player, or it's what's... definitely player by player? <laughs> it's definitely player <laughs> by player because. <laughs> Everybody ain't going to make it. That's just the facts. But I can't hate on a kid for having that dream. But I'm having real real conversations with you guys. If, if you want to make it to the league, um, that's great. But the NFL, a lot of people say it stands for not for long. Even if you make it, you know, you might make it and get out when you're 30. You got the rest of your life to live. So you got to have that education. You got to have a plan for after football. So, um, you know, when I'm training these kids, my mentality is I want to help them to reach their full potential as a football player. I want to, you know, let them know what they got to do in the classroom academically to get to the next level. And if they do have that ambitions of playing at the next level, you know, I want to encourage that. You know, this, that's not realistic for every kid. But for those that have that potential, I'm going to encourage that. But also let them know that even if you make it to the league, man, a lot of guys make it. And within three years, they're out the league um, at 25, 26. You got to have a plan for after that. So we're going to have those real conversations. But uh, if, a kid, if that's a kid's dream and I see that potential in them, I'm going to push them and uh, encourage them to, to go chase that. So you're pushing them. You're helping them chase that. Now you're also, like, um, you know, helping them get in contact with these college coaches because, you know, giving myself as an example, I'm not saying I was a D1 player or anything like that, but I had no type of, like, other, like, even, like, a show for me. No one's telling me where to talk to these coaches, how to talk to these coaches. Are you helping these kids, especially from the inner city who are on breakthrough, you know, who may not have those, you know, father figures or guys counselors that may care. Are you helping them get in those conversations like through the door and even that segue to meet these coaches? 100%, man. I think one thing that, you know, I think I do um, is I, I just try to be a, a bridge for these kids. You know, there's, there's, if there's a gap from a college coach or a parent or a student, I try to bridge that gap and help people develop different relationships. I think that's something that uh, I use my network. I coach college ball for about four years. So there's still a lot of guys coaching college ball that I know. Um, I talk to a lot of college coaches about kids that uh, not just play breakthrough. If I know if a, a good kid from Rhode Island and I know a school might be looking for that position and, I, and I'm aware of the kid, I'll recommend that kid and uh, you know share his contact information and, and different stuff like that. So without a doubt, that's the goal. You know, At the end of the day, most of the kids in breakthrough, like I'm just trying to get them to the next level. So talking to college coaches, helping them out through the process, educating them on different camps they got to go to, um, you know, you know that's what we do. So you're a believer in camps because, you know, you talk to these parents sometimes where you know, maybe their kid just wasn't good enough and they don't know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you talk to these coaches, I mean, these uh, parents, and they're like, oh, camps are a waste of time, camps are a waste of money. What's your thoughts when you're hearing stuff like that? I think some camps are a waste of time, and I think that's why you need people in your corner who are kind of educated um, so they can kind of help you know which camps to go to because there are some camps out there, unfortunately, that are just trying to make money. So um, you got to have the right people in your corner that are educated on what camps to go to. Um, go to camps where there's a connection. Like if, if your coach knows a, a, knows a coach on that staff and they can kind of actually 
evaluate you. I think it's uh I think that's the way to go rather than just signing up for every camp you see. You definitely want to do your research. Um and and I would say the college camps are are the you know are the ones to go to. The ones where the college coaches are going to be there um are the ones to go to. So you're saying doing your research, how are they doing their research? So how would you dis- like distinguish a bad one opposed to a good one if you're Effie Greco at St. Rayfield Academy? I would say you want to know who's going to be there. You want to, you know, before you pay your money and commit to a camp, you want to know what schools are going there. And once you find out what schools are going there, you want to kind of do your research and see which coaches recruit Rhode Island or recruit Mass or Connecticut, recruit this New England region. You want to find out what coaches there. You want to hit them up, find out if they're going to be there. So just don't sign up for stuff and not really know um, if there's if there's actually going to be college coaches there or 24-7 rivals. You want to know who's going to be there before you sign up. And you think you should go to, like, their website, go to the roster and see if there are you see Rhode Island as their hometown and stuff like that for a player? Yeah, most legit camps will, will kind of post what college coaches are going to be there. They won't just say, here's a camp, sign up for it. Um, and then you can always go on that team's website and look at their coaching staff and find out who recruits your area and kind of try to build a relationship with that coach. So what would be, like, the biggest no? Like, you just, like you're saying to reach out to these coaches. So if I reach out to a college coach, like, a month before the camp and I don't hear nothing back, should I avoid that camp? No, I don't think so, man, because a lot of these camps that are ran by colleges, they have a bunch of different schools there. It's not just that college. So if you go to a URI camp, you know, there's going to be 40 other schools there. If you go to – there's a camp in uh, Springfield, Mass., at uh, Springfield College. It's called the Best of New England Camp. I've been privileged to work at the past couple of years. They have like 100 schools. So there's always going to be um, – other colleges there, mm. even if that guy doesn't respond to you. But I would say you want to go to the camps where you know college coaches are going to be at. Are there like specific camps that are, um, like a position specified? Like, is there like a corners camp, a linebackers camp, quarterback camps that you so, should attend? Yeah. So I know um, there's a guy out in Mass that I've had the privilege of working with. He's a really good quarterback coach. Uh, M2 Quarterback Academy, Mike McCarthy. He does a really good job. He has a Quarterback camp, I think last year was at Stonehill College. He's the only one I know that's having those specified camps. There aren't really DB and receiver-only camps. Um, maybe that's something that's going to start happening in the future, but I know M2 does a really good job with his quarterback camp that uh, you know college coaches attend and kids have gotten offered at him. Nice. And they're saying like it may come up in the future. And you probably had those thoughts when you were originally with the plans of breakthrough. At some point, this is going to happen what were those original thoughts and how did you get breakthrough to even start as the f- probably the most popular seven on seven and beneficial seven on seven league in Rhode Island right now? Um, yeah, so how did that originate in the first place? So I was actually, uh, it's 2017, I was coaching at American International College at the college level. Um, and, you know, it was a great experience, but, you know, just coaching college ball, you, you kind of see the business of it. It's not, you're not really doing it for the kids as much as a business. <laughs> yeah, for you know sure. what I mean? And I felt like my heart is really to help kids and, and to give back and stuff like that. So I was kind of planning on a way for me to get back involved in um, at, at the high school level. And I was just thinking about what Rhode Island needed. And it wasn't really, you know, there were people doing things. I won't say that there wasn't anybody doing anything. But I just thought, you know, I had a vision. I know with my experience of playing and coaching and um that I can give give back to the state and really help kids get to the next level, man. So that's what it started. I was really training a lot of kids, you know, working kids out and stuff like that. I'm a busier guy now. I don't have the time to train as much, but um, I still try to help in other ways by having bigger events and things of that nature. But it really just started with the with the mindset of, you know, what what does my state need and trying to give back and trying to help kids get to the next level. So what does your state need? That is a question in itself. What do you think is the biggest issue with Rhode Island high school football? And you just made a face. I know you have a list. Yeah, and it's it's not really a list, man. It's it's. I think the biggest issue with Rhode Island high school football is, or you can say Pop Warner too. Anything. Like it's from, not Pop Warner. It's not none of that, man. You know, I think those Pop Warner programs do a good job. I think the biggest problem with Rhode Island high school football is kind of just like the infrastructure of organized sports at the high school level. Um, football is not really a big deal in Rhode Island. There's not really much of an investment being made um, for football to blow up like it is in Texas or Georgia. Um, you know, football is more of an activity here. 
It's mm-hmm. not a way of life. In other states, Tennessee, Georgia, you know, football's a lifestyle. You go to those games on a Friday night and those stands are filled. Um, those coaches are being compensated. They're in the building. They're, they're doing different stuff like that. I think Rhode Island hasn't really made a commitment to taking football to the next level. You know, there's some other sports that I think are probably a bigger deal in Rhode Island. But there's a lot of people, you know, kind of doing it the grassroots way, trying to help kids behind the scenes, man. So I commend those people. But I think the biggest problem with Rhode Island high school football is just um, the infrastructure at the high school level. You know, there's not really a strong commitment to produce great football programs. And that's, you know, Hendrickson's done a great job of dominating LaSalle, the private schools. But, you know, I think in, in other states, man, those public schools really do a better job. You know, North Kingstown's a good one. Portsmouth's a good one. Westerly's a good one. But, you know, the investment still isn't made, you know, to those coaches to get the best, most qualified coaches in the building and get them coaching your teams and have the funding to really build a competitive program. That's not really being done. And that's why you see a lot of kids from these towns deciding to go to the private route. They want to go to Hendrick and LaSalle because they look – at where they're from, and they're like, "Well, I, I don't want to. I'm trying to. I'm trying to make it to the next level. I don't yep. think I can make it from from this school. So they're gonna try to do what's best for them, and I don't blame them. Um, so I just think, you know, the infrastructure at the high school level kind of needs to to grow. There needs to be more of a commitment to getting great coaches in the state, getting the most qualified guys, um, and really kind of find a way to for those guys to make a living." You know, whether working somehow working in the building and building football programs so they can kind of commit to doing that work. But, you know, I think that's what it takes. So you think are you saying the head coach or are you saying head coach and his assistant coach as well? Like overall organization. That's how it is in other states. So um, right now, I would say it's unrealistic to say Rhode Island's going to do that. But if you go to Georgia, those coaches are in the building. If you go to Texas, you go to Florida, you go to those other states, those coaches are in the building and they're committed year round to building a successful football programs. A lot of these, unfortunately, a lot of coaches in Rhode Island, they, and and I don't blame them because they don't really get compensated to coach year round. So I can't say, unfortunately, a lot of these guys got families, but um, a lot of coaches show up in July and August, you know, when like football season's over in November, they don't show back up until July and August. And it's because they're not being compensated. They might not be in the building or they might have other things going on. But in other states, man, those coaches are working year round to build successful high school football programs. Yeah. Man, I went to school in New Orleans for college for a semester and I was in there in the spring. And uh, I used to drive by high school to get to my dorm or whatever. And there was spring ball. Padded spring ball all the time. You don't see that in Rhode Island. Not at is, that, all. Is, that, is it even legal? No, it's not yeah, illegal. Yeah, right? It's actually illegal. It's, it's illegal, yeah, right? It's in Rhode illegal Island? Yeah. In Rhode Island. Yeah. yeah, and San Fran too. On the San Fran one time, they had a spring ball like in April. They're playing spring ball, and, and like you said, I know in Georgia, the public schools are better than the Catholic schools for football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yes. It's a huge commitment. Like if you go to Georgia, man, you see some of those stadiums in Texas. <laughs> Like, those are public schools. Bro, the you know big, what I mean? It's crazy. I know Kyler's high school has, like, a full-on, like, yeah. little city in his high school. Stadium, brother. Different. <laughs> yeah. <It's> different. Definitely <laughs> different. And, um, you know, you're saying all this, like, um, you know, have the infrastructure and you're not getting compensated well. And I don't think I'm speaking out of pocket because this was on your public Instagram yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, I am talking to the new hottest free agent Probably in New England at this moment in time for coaching my guy, Coach Dunbar. So we're breaking the news. This is your first podcast slash interview since the breaking news. So is that where it all stems from? All that, like not having, not being able to, you said on your post that you're a newlywed. Congratulations. Appreciate you. So, you know, that's in the back of your head at the same time. You know, you have your master's degree. I'm talking your stuff for you. So, you know, you're not able to, you need to have that, you know, yeah. Your support and financial. Hey, prices went up, bro. Yeah. At the end of the day, I, I know the value that I bring. You know, I know everywhere that I've coached at the high school level. And since I've been in Rhode Island, everywhere that I've coached, I've been able to create change posit- and have a positive impact and really create a culture where not just the football program's excited, but the entire town's excited um, about football. And um, I knew, you know, the value that I created in Westerly, man, I, you know, I just felt like the time and the commitment and off-season lifts, like when the season was over and I'm thinking about next year, it's like I'm not really motivated to, to, to commit that time that I know it takes to build a successful football program because I'm not really being uh, compensated 
the way that I probably should be. So, so you're doing that all from the bottom of your heart. Like, I'm going to get these kids better. You weren't being compensated at that time. It's it's from the bottom of my heart, but it's also I'm a competitor yeah. and I want to win and I want to be good and I know what it takes yeah. to be successful. So some of it is, yeah, I'm trying to help kids as much as possible, but some of it is, you know, I want to win. You know, I want to compete at the highest level. I want my any team that I coach to be um, contending for a championship. That's how I think. So I know what it takes to be successful and I know the time it takes. And I just didn't have the energy to do that this year um, without, you know, that type of a commitment being made on, on, the, on the other on the administration's end. Yeah, like you said, the price went up. So uh, I think i seen you tweet about this, but it's kind of a similar situation to Deion Sanders. <laughs> Would you say that? Yeah, but, you know, honestly, I guess, but I, I didn't, like, have, like, a backup plan. Like, right now, there's a bunch of, uh, you know, there's a bunch of prep schools calling. You know, I was just on the phone before we started this uh, this podcast. You know, there's a there's a bunch of schools calling and, and, and asking about, you know, my, my services as a coach, but... Um, I would have been completely happy just staying at Westerly for the long term. Westerly is a great place, man. I don't want to take anything away from that town. It's probably, I, I would say, the best football town in Rhode Island. You know, the, they start at the youth level. Um, they pack the house. You know, there's a lot of people there on a Friday night. The kids are passionate about football. They love the game. Um, I had a great experience coaching football there, and I honestly wish um, that something could have been done to get me in the building and, and different stuff like that so I could have stayed there for the long term. But that that didn't happen. And, and at the end of the day, everything happens for a reason. So me stepping yeah, stepping down from Wesley, I think maybe God had other plans. I think God might have bigger plans for me. But, you know. Were you me, nervous me, at all? Me personally. Um, you know, I had no idea it was going to happen during this, like, you know, after the season. I, as I was just you know, thinking and planning for the next year, I just realized, man, I don't know if I could put that time in again um, to really build a, you know, to continue to build the program just be because it's like, man, I don't, I'm not really making anything. That drive to Westerly's long, bro. It's not, it's not around the corner, so. Went there for a Saints playoff game, and I'm like, God damn, they about turning yeah. around halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so you said you wish something could have been done. What is something? Could have been done. So, like, what you, what would have made you feel comfortable and appreciated? They could have. I mean, if 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 I, if Wesley would have, you know, found a way to get me a full time job in the building, you know, salary position with benefits, and I can live a comfortable life and um, as well as coach football, I would have been content with just doing that and continuing to do breakthrough. To be honest with you, so um, you know. But as the season was over, just really thinking about the time and the commitment, you know, people say coaching football is a part-time job, but if you're going to do it the right way, you're going to have to start in January with the lifts. You're going to be doing the seven on sevens in the summer, the lineman challenges, passing leagues, going to camps, different stuff like that. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a commitment. And, um, if you're not getting paid, it's, it's kind of tough to do. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so, you know, job, you're open to any job, like with like, Anything like it would have been like in the school? Yeah, I think if they would have found a way, you know, there's a lot of schools nowadays that, you know, with all these career tech education programs, they can get creative. You know, they've, they're getting people in the building at these schools without, that don't have education degrees and getting them certified and stuff like that. So, um, you know, they can, there's definitely ways to get someone with my um, background into a school. You know, for sure. And you said you have your master's degree. What do you have your master's in? Yeah, I have a MBA, master's in business administration. Oh, nice. Nice. After all the, the breakthrough gear, make sure you copy it. I know it dropped today. Same, Seen it on his, on his stuff today. Get right. Go as, get right. As get, a get right. And get right. While we're on a topic of breakthrough, what tournaments, competitions do you guys have coming up this off season? Because this podcast is going to drop actually this week. You are surpassing a lot of people's podcasts I've taped. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming out either tomorrow or Friday. <laughs> so what do you have, uh, you know, on, you know, next week, the following week, you know, yeah. January, February, what do you got going on for breakthrough? Yeah, so we're going to be training. Uh, we got practices once a week. This, you know, every Saturday, the month of January, our first tournament is February 4th and 5th. We're going out to Wilmington, Delaware. Um, Chase Fieldhouse. Um, then we're going to New Jersey. And then in March, we're going to be going to Atlanta and D.C. In April, we're going to Las Vegas. So we got a full schedule. We're going to about eight tournaments this year. Kids are going to get a lot of exposure, uh, opportunity to compete against kids from all around the country and really measure and see where they stand. So I'm excited. It's going to be great for our kids um, to get out there and get their names recognized. Nice. How many teams you guys got going to all those? 
We got four teams. We got a 12U, 14U, 15U, and 18U. Oh, nice, nice. So have you seen, I mean, 7 on 7 was pretty much non-existent when we were in high school. No, nah, I wish it was around, bro. <laughs> some of those, me, Monk, you know, some of, some of the dudes I had the opportunity to play with back in the days, I think we would have we we been getting busy out there. So it would have been fun if 7 on 7 was around. Yeah, it's crazy how much more opportunity, like even the nation's getting those opportunities from 7 on 7. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Seeing that like grow now, how do you do you see seven on seven getting bigger? Is it just starting out right now, or you know? So you know, I want to be clear. Like seven on seven is a development tool. That's how I look at it. A lot of college coaches aren't going to offer you a scholarship based on seven on seven unless you're a freak of nature, like Nation Montgomery. He went out to the University of Miami's camp. Um, it was a seven on seven camp, and he was balling out. And you can kind of see his skill set. But a lot of college coaches aren't gonna probably offer you on seven on seven film. We use seven on seven as a way for kids to develop and get better. As we stated before, you know, our kids in Rhode Island and New England don't have an opportunity to play spring ball. So while those kids in Georgia and Florida are getting better, you know, our kids are sitting around and, you know, they don't have that opportunity. But now with seven on seven, at least our skill players can continue to develop. Our quarterbacks, receivers, DBs, linebackers can continue to develop and get better. So that's what we're focused on with seven on seven. But then, you know, if you go to these tournaments, there are different recruiting services there. They're going to get your name out there and stuff like that. So um, we're not guaranteeing guys an opportunity to get recruited based off of seven on seven. We're just using it as a tool to develop, but you know, you might blow up, you know, nowadays with social media, um, you know, there's always these big time people at these different seven on seven events. Last year when we went to Vegas, destroying was out there. Um, so there's definitely ways to get clout. You know, once you get that clout behind you, that opens doors. So <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, so, you know, so you can open up doors. Do you have any tips and tricks? Like I saw Joe Burrow say that, um, you know, you shouldn't be posting your workouts. What are your thoughts on people who post their workouts and obviously the kids posting their workouts? Like, do you think that's beneficial? How do you stand out to these coaches? You know, he's, you know, he's not from Rhode Island. Do you think kids from Rhode Island should be doing that? I think it's beneficial, right? I think it's definitely, you got to market yourself, but at the same time, you got to realize that if you posting bad stuff, that can also hurt you. You know what I mean? (laughs) If you posting a workout and you looking trash and the coach is looking at it, he's, you know, you're looking sloppy. That can hurt you. But if you use it to your advantage and you can, and and it's a good clip and different stuff like that, you got to market yourself. At the end of the day, um, everybody's a brand. You know what I mean? You know, you're a brand. I'm a brand. Everybody's a brand. So you got to market yourself. You got to get your name out there. You can't just expect these guys to find you. You got to go out there and and pitch yourself out there so people notice you and, and, and people know what you're doing. So I definitely think it's smart for kids to um, get their name out there and post workouts and different stuff like that. Just be strategic, right? You're like, you're, you're doing it with the plan. You know that you're trying to get to the next level. You're not just posting any, you know, dumb stuff on social media. You're doing um, everything you're posting has a, you know, you have a strategy behind it. So I definitely think, you know, it's smart for kids to market themselves. You think, like you were saying, clips. As a, you know, college coach or, you know, former college coach and having friends in the industry right now, are these college coaches going through all these kids' social media? Like, they have a Twitter. Are they going through every single tweet? Are they going through everything they do? Or is it strictly just football stuff? I don't think the college coaches are spending that much time looking at everything. But at the same time, you know, you kids can't be dumb. Like, when you go on Twitter, um, you got to really, like, if you're a kid that's trying to get recruited to play at the next level, you got to have a Twitter page that is completely for football. You know, like, your first and last name, your huddle highlights, your GPA, height and weight, and you're posting all football-related stuff, all workout-related stuff. Maybe if you want to go and enjoy social media with your friends, create a separate profile that you use for your own personal use, have it private, um, but obviously you still want to be conscious of what you're posting. You don't want to post anything dumb out there. Um, but you know, if you're trying to use social media to get recruited, you should kind of only be posting you know, sports-related stuff. And it doesn't have to be all only football because college coaches like to see kids that are athletes, kids that are running track and doing different stuff to stay active in the offseason. Yeah. Has that ever affected you? Like someone who's um, applied to, you know, go on breakthrough? Have you been looking at their social media and been like, you know what, never mind with this kid? 100%. You know, I go on, especially on Instagram. We're on Instagram and we basically follow anybody back that plays football that's from New England. You know, that's kind of what I've been doing. If you're from New England, you play football, you're in high school and you follow breakthrough, we're going to follow you back. But I've seen kids 
you know, smoking weed on their stories and different stuff like that. And I'm like, nah, that kid's not, he's not serious. Yeah. You know what I mean, that's what I get from it. It's like, Facts. he's not serious about his brand. He's not serious about playing college football because if you was... You wouldn't be posting that stuff on a public social media where anybody can see. Yeah, it, so. and again, you said that you're a brand, so you don't want yeah. a kid doing that. His brand, nah, that ruins our breakthrough. brand. That <laughs> ruins the breakthrough brand. In so fact, like some kids smoking weed with a breakthrough sweater on, yeah, it's like, it's, all right, it's instantly not a good done. Look. It's not a good look. So you got to be smart with what you're posting on social media. Understand that people are watching. Um, you know, I'm not going and looking for stuff like that. But like I said, we follow. We basically follow everybody back. That if you're from New England, you play football. You follow breakthrough. I might not see it. I might miss it, but I'll, if I see you, you know, if I if I see it, if I see your page come back again, I'll follow you. So if you're posting dumb stuff and I'm looking at it like, man, this kid's not serious, then yeah, it could definitely hurt you. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that we, yeah, a lot of people are conscious of that though. But I mean, it's definitely a big thing. I mean, you gotta make your own private. Have, have a close friends. Right? Yeah, there's there's close friends. You know, you gotta you gotta. There's different things you can do. You can't just be because you know one day when you get a, like when those same kids get a job and they're employed by somebody or that you can't just post anything on social media. So right. Uh, I was HR in a company before and I'd always go through their social medias. And this one lady just would had a, she was like, she was like, I don't know what she was in, but she was going off on like minorities. And I'm like, oh, wow. what an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot. It's like, absolutely she not. Messed it up. Yeah, she, she definitely messed, messed it up. It up. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, so see, like, so it's not just Rhode Island. So you're trying to get all New England better. Yeah, so um, you know, Rhode Island's a small state. At the end of the day, um, we have talented players here, but the talent pool isn't as big as other states just because of numbers. So you know, we started out with the focus of the 401, but you know, now it's just strictly um, New England. You know, our base and our heart is always going to be Rhode Island, and Rhode Island's always going to come first. But we're always, you know, looking to branch out and expand. We're, our brand has kind of been growing. So we're kind of, you know, kids in Massachusetts know about us, kids in Connecticut. We got a couple kids from New Hampshire that play on our seven-on-seven -seven team. So, Damn, um, they're coming out every single practice? Yeah, well, it's once a week. But, yeah, we got we got two kids from New Hampshire that that uh, that come down for practice. Damn. Yeah, so, um, you know, a common theme with athletes in the podcast, they typically give you a shout-out. Who do you want to give a shout out for any breakthrough alum or anybody who has helped build that breakthrough brand? So I, I got to start with the OGs, man. Uh, Angel Sanchez, Cam Alves, Nate Cena, Donovan Carr. Um, I would say those guys really paved the way. Carl Green. Um, there's a bunch of guys. I don't want to forget anybody. That first breakthrough team, Matt Licciardi. You know, there's a bunch of dudes. Who else? Uh, yeah, those those guys are really the guys that paved the way, man. Before Breakthrough had, you know, 17,000 followers, you know, those guys was rocking with us, and they really helped um, take us off the ground when we were competing in that Legacy League in um, in, in the Boston area, winning back-to-back 7-on-7 championships in that New England Legacy League, I think was, was huge, and people starting to talk about Breakthrough and realizing that there's kids in Rhode Island that can ball. Um, and then we went out to Detroit and we won a Midwest Championship tournament out there, um, like three back to back to back. We wasn't losing at the, in the beginning, bro. Yeah. We was just winning back to back to back. <laughs> it was it was funny, but everybody was kind of hating on Breakthrough at that time. But um, it's been a blessing, man. Those guys, those guys started it. They started the wave, and I'll always be indebted to those guys forever, just for them believing in the vision before everybody else believed in it. And um, they're obviously talented football players. I'm, I'm happy those guys are balling at the next level, and they're they're not doing anything I didn't expect them to do. I knew what kind of players they were, and I knew that they'll be having great careers at the next level. Yeah, I mean, um, they're definitely all great players. Carl's told me the story about how he locked some dude up who got an offer somewhere. I can't remember. I know Angel's balling out. <laughs> and they give credit to that amazing 7 out 7 playbook. Oh, it's different. It's different. It's different. That's all you. Break, that's what you're doing at nighttime. Just putting these plays together. Through, you know, at the end of the day, man, I was a defensive back in college, so because I played DB in college, I understand like the most difficult concepts to cover. You know where, what I mean? Where you're gonna pick yeah, off? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that. I didn't. I didn't see so much like in college. At uh, between Dean and URI, I was a four-year starter. Um, I played a lot of football. Was on the field. I done seen everything. I done seen these these offensive coordinators in the CAA drop all kinds of concepts. So 
Um, I definitely use that to my advantage now in creating confidence, uh, concepts on the offensive side of the ball. So that breakthrough playbook is, is definitely different, man. It's tough to stop. It's tough to stop. That's what, that's what I've heard from <laughs> Angel and Carl on them. Yeah. So as a coach, is there a difference between a 7-on-7 seven seven playbook and a 11-on-11 full padded? 100%. <laughs> the line, football is with linemen. You know, I, I know I'm a 7-on-7 seven seven coach and stuff like that, but I'm also a regular football coach and Games are won and lost in the trenches. You know, those linemen and, and at the line of scrimmage, that's where you win and lose football games. So um, when there's no linemen out there, you know, you can be more creative, I feel like, because things are going to work. But in a real football game, that quarterback ain't going to have that much time to do <laughs> definitely, definitely <laughs> some not. of the stuff that he's doing in 7-on-7. Seven seven. So it's, it's definitely a little bit different. Do you think that's one of the reasons why Hendrickson is always one of the best? 100%. They're line. The know, line, bro. The trenches, that's where it's at. That's where you win and lose games. You know, fourth quarter, third, you know, second half. Bro, and they have, <laughs> for the most part, an offense lineman and a defense alignment. Yeah. So now people are playing both ways. They got bodies. They, they, got, they got bodies, bro. Well, LaSalle got them this year, though. So we got to shout out LaSalle. Hey. We got to shout out, you know, those boys that was out there balling for LaSalle, man. Herlin Perry, who's a, a breakthrough kid on our 18U team. Zell, Justin, um, you know, those are my Dean. boys as well. Yeah, Dean, those are all my all my guys over there, and congratulations for you guys getting it done. Hey, definitely congratulations. Also, my boy Terrence. I can't forget about Terrence, man. He was a breakthrough kid. I, I don't know what he's doing this year. I think he's running track, but Terrence is a, you know, he's a, he's a good dude, and he's a breakthrough dude at heart for sure. Well, you, you were at the game. I know you get the trophy. Uh, you were there all weekend, right? I didn't go to the Hendrick and LaSalle game. I watched it on, uh, I think it was NFHS, but yeah. I was at the St. Ray's Portsmouth game. What do you think was the biggest, uh, finally, forget get over that hump, and as a coach, what was like the, their biggest adjustment finally to be Hendrick? And you think? Who LaSalle? LaSalle. How I, I just think LaSalle just had the, the athletes this this year, man. You got Zell, you got Denson, um, the kid Brady Fisher, Ter Terrence Dean at quarterback. You know they just had the talent. I think they had more like from a skilled player standpoint. I think LaSalle's skilled players this year were a little bit you know more advanced than the Hendrick and skilled players, and I think that's you know. I think that's what took him over the top this mm -hmm. year. But, you know, Hendrick is going to be back next year. Always. Uh, they got always. they got some good backs. Ron J. Francis. Um, they got some linemen coming back. Jaden Falcone's a really good quarterback, dual threat. So I think Hendrick is going to be tough. Uh, Mike DeSilva, Jr. Um, they got some good players coming back. My, my nephew's a freshman over there. I don't know if he's going to crack the – the lineup next year, but you know he's a kid that I'm working to get him get him right when he's an upperclassman. But I think Hendrickson's gonna be back. But this year Lasalle just had um, too much talent. Hey guys, yeah, too much talent. What other people should we be people watching Rhode Island talent? Who should we be looking out for in Rhode Island talent up I and coming? I think my boy Herlin Perry. Herlin Perry. The he's a, I think he's the next lockdown corner coming out of the state of Rhode Island. We've we've, we've had some good corners come out of Rhode Island. I think Hurl. Um, you know, he's, he's continuing to grow and develop physically. Um, you know, he's getting faster. He's getting stronger. You know, when I see him a couple weeks ago at the tryouts and when I see him at the season, he's already looking bigger. And, you know, when we talk about that dog, you got it in him. He got that dog. I mean, the family genetics <laughs> yeah, already. It's, it's, it's in the family, you know, the, the family. Perry family's, you know, famous, you know, out here for football. And I think Hurl, he got that dog in him. He got the right mindset. He's smart. Um, he got great ball skills. When the ball's in the air, he can go and locate it and find it. I think he's the I think he's the next great corner coming out of State Rhode Island. I think he's a Division One kid. Um, he just has to continue to work and get bigger, stronger, faster. But I think all those things will come. But I, I think Hurl's the next one out of Rhode Island. Hey, State, on the lookout for Hurl right there. And you're saying to get better, stronger, faster. I asked Angel this on the podcast, and he said he kind of regrets it, but not really because it's a great time playing basketball after football. What are you saying to someone like a Hurlin? So you're saying that he's a lockdown corner Division One player. I don't know if he does or not, but say he plays basketball. Are you telling that kid, all right, play basketball, or no, don't play basketball, track, hit the weight room? What is your advice to someone like that? So I know I know Hurl's doing all the right things. His dad uh, does a really good job of keeping him on track, and they're lifting and running. I know he's running track and stuff like that, but it's tough. If I, I would have to see the kid play. If I go to one game and I, I check him out and see what he can do out there, if he can't ball, I'm like, bro, you wasting your time. You wasting your time. Get he's on just, that track. He's boy. just a defensive guy. Yeah, just, just a defensive, a defensive guy. guy. Get on the track. <laughs> Get, out. Get on the track. But if you can really hoop and you can ball and you helping your team win games and you yeah, you're like you David know, Duke or something yeah, like that. That's David different. Duke or the kid uh, from uh, Portsmouth a couple years ago, um, Benny Hurd. He was oh, yeah. actually a really good 
basketball player. So, you know, Marquise Buchanan last year was an All-State baller. So some of those kids, you know, if they're balling, they're averaging 20 and they're really, you know, one of the top guys out there, I would say keep doing it. You know, have fun and enjoy high school. But if you're just a guy that's going in there to, to foul people and hack and <laughs> get rebounds, you better, you better off on the track, man. Yeah. Just yeah. I remember one time right. at Saints, you went in. Yeah, you you, I was a bushwhacker, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bushwhacker. Shout out to Saw. He had me out there just to play defense, get rebounds. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny because I feel like if I if I didn't go to St. Ray's as a basketball player, I might have had a better career. But Saints is known for basketball, back, yeah. especially back when we was coming oh, up. Yeah, I think Saints is known for guards. You know, back yeah. in our day, there was so many Tone, point guards: Anton, Corey Wright, Charles um, Nasty. Yeah, there's there's always point guards. There was always point guards at St. Ray's, and because I'm the football guy. You know, they think they look at the me, armor. I'm bigger, stronger, yeah. so I, I gotta go foul people, play power forward. <laughs> it was different, but yeah. You was the Draymond of the team. <laughs> yeah, I was the I was the Draymond. That was my that was my role. I remember that game vividly. You came in, you fouled, he's like, Stanley, out. He <laughs> came out in two seconds, he pulled you out. Yeah, bro. It was it was tough. But shout out to Sa, man. I still I still see him on the sideline over there at St. Ray's, so it's always good. Yeah, <laughs> So all oh, said, all the pass on the player though. So yeah. you form at Alum, yeah. Talk about him specifically. If you had, if you knew him, oh, you didn't know him, but like Angel, should Angel have not played basketball? Someone like that. Honestly, I didn't really get to see Angel play a lot of basketball. Four really years started, but like and he was like, oh, you know, it's a great time, but he probably is. Like, I should have played football. I mean, I should have done track. And got yeah. better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Angel got that game speed, man. Like even on the football field, he, one thing that track could have probably helped him at is like the time speed. Mm -hmm. You know, like that forty yard dash and stuff like that. Track teaches you proper technique and running mechanics and different stuff like that. So track is definitely a great thing for football players. Um, but Angel's the type of guy when he got the ball in his hand, he might run a four three. He might run a four four with that ball in his hand, but you know, track would have definitely helped him out with those uh getting those times down. So when you're you go into a college camp and the coach wants to see you run a four five, that can a lot of times and high school coach uh high school players pay attention to this, those times can be the difference between a scholarship offer and a coach telling you to walk on, man. You know, if you're a four six, those you know, four six receiver and you're not the tallest guy, a lot of schools aren't gonna offer you unless you got amazing film. So you you know, if you're a skilled player, Receiver, DB, you want to be running four fives. You want to be running under four six, four fives, and the faster you can be, the faster your times are. That's going to improve your your uh. That's going to improve your chances of getting a scholarship from a college. So, um, track is important. You know, it teaches you how to run. I got a lot faster from running track. Um, so I would recommend that for all high school football players. And you know, whether they should play basketball or run track, it really depends on the athlete. But you know, track is important for for I would say all high school football players. Do you necessarily agree with that? Like how times should indicate scholarships and stuff like that? Being like a college coach and being obviously, you know, it's like your full-time job and doing the seven on sevens. Do you necessarily agree with that? Um, there are other people like, like you said, the angels, the Jarvis yeah. Landry's of the world, not the fastest dudes, yeah. but they got that dog in them. And there, you can't really see that by the time. Yeah. There, there's exceptions to the rule. And I think that the film is the exception. Yeah. You know, if you put the film on and that dude is balling and he's a dog, then there's exceptions to the rule. But if it's close, a lot of times these college coaches, man, this is their livelihood, right? That's true. They can't afford to miss on a kid. Like if if you you want to you want as close of a sure thing as possible when you're recruiting these kids, when you're offering a kid a scholarship, because you you know especially like the smaller FCS level schools, you can't afford to miss on these recruits. So it's it's a criteria, man. Like if you're if you're a five nine corner, you better be running four five or lower. Yeah. You know, if you're a 5'9 corner coming out of high school, if you're running 4'6, it's going to be tough to get that. You're probably not going to get that Division One offer, to be honest with you. So, you know, you got you got to be 4'5 or under if you're a 5'9 skill player, you know, trying to trying to play college ball at the Division One level. You know, that's D1. But if you're, you know, lower level schools, they're going to they're gonna take a chance on you if you can ball. But as far as D1 goes, if that's your goal and you're a 5'9, 5'10 corner, you got you cannot be running 4'6 or above unless you're, unless you're a dog on the film. So, yeah. what was like your um, situation coming out of high school? So, you know, get back to how we met. I met you two thousand six. Mm -hmm. You were uh, two years above me. So, um, you know, you you know, seeing someone like you, you know, I was um, you know, I played at the Cardinals. You know, we were okay. I was like one of the best kids in the team. That I got to you know 
saints and that 08 class skill players was different you know like yeah. you monk bro even like a hans hall he would be yeah, he would be was a, hans was a problem i was a problem like six four six six three six four dm bro long. and this yeah, david island he'd yeah. be in offers it, it can run yeah. yeah oh definitely hans would have hans would have had off because you you look at a guy like what hans was he's like six three six four like 200 pounds and can run and long <laughs> College coaches look at a kid like that and they see nothing but potential. Development. Yeah, development. Yeah. Hans would have been one of those guys where they're like, you know, he's not gonna play for us right away. He's gonna we're gonna redshirt him, but by his redshirt sophomore year, he's gonna be a player for us. So yeah. yeah. And like my point I was getting to is like, you know, I was around players now at this point. Niles like ten years older than me in my class. G <laughs> Gene. Chill. My boy, chill on now. That's my boy. What up now? What up, Gene? What up now? What up, Gene? Yeah, and you like, you know, I had those players now and like you know, saying you guys and, you know, first I was like, damn, these kids, you know, these kids got the it factor and stuff like that for sure. So, like, coming out of high school, senior year, 13-0 record, you end up getting injured at the end of the season. Are you running into issues coming? Like, is that the reason why you have to go to Dean out of Saints? or nah, what is and, like and, and all the high school coaches, I mean, high school players need to pay attention. The reason why I had to go junior college out of high school is because I didn't take care of business in the classroom, to be honest with you. I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't getting in trouble in high school, but I was a kid that was just focused on football. Like, and and I didn't really have like a you know my mom was working multiple shifts in order to provide for the fam. I didn't have a, a father at home. My my father passed away when I was a baby, so you know I didn't really have anybody on me. Like my mom was on me. My sister, they all tried, but you know I was just focused on football, and I really didn't take school as serious as I should have. So I didn't have the grades, so I had to go JUCO. And um and become a qualifier. I was a qualifier for Division Two and Division Three, and I had schools, Division Two and Division Three schools that were recruiting me. But you know, for me personally, I I knew I was a Division One player, so I decided to bet on myself and go JUCO and try to you know get that scholarship. And I and I was lucky enough to have multiple Division One scholarships coming out of Dean. But um, I wouldn't recommend that if you can take care of business in high school and just get that offer and go to a school all four years. That's the route you want to go. So. Um, those grades matter. So know what you got to get as far as your GPA and um, your SAT scores. There's different criteria for each level. Division one, you know, you're, you're held to a high standard to be a qualifier. So you got to make sure you're educated on that stuff and you're taking care of business in the classroom. Because if you're not, it doesn't matter how good you are as a football player. If you're, you could be the best football player in the world. If you're, if you're a non-qualifier, you're not going to be able to go to a division one school. You're going to have to go junior college, become a qualifier. or You're going to just settle for a low level, which isn't, there's nothing wrong with that. Guys go to lower levels and they ball out and um, become all Americans. And they still have opportunities to play at the next level um, as far as like professionally. But um, if your goal is division one, you want to take care of business in classroom. But, you know, I was one of those kids that didn't in high school. So I had to go the JUCO route and I ended up, you know, figuring it out and starting started to take school serious. Once that happened to me, once I wasn't a qualifier and I took care of business after that. So I have a question. So like being someone, like I said, you know, you know me, I was like good at track, yeah. good at football. I'm not saying I was the best. Obviously, you, yeah. you know, you guys had the D1 talent. So I, I never had these thoughts like, oh, I'm the best guy in the team. Were you thinking, like, I'm so good, teams are going to offer me anyway? Uh, yeah, probably. You know, as a as a 16-year-old kid, I'm like, they're going to find a way to get me in there because I'm, <laughs> I'm a dog, so they're going to have to find a way. They're going to have but, Jimmy take the test from yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> it don't matter. It don't matter, man. It don't matter how good you are. Um, You got to gotta be a qualifier. And it's funny because college coaches, you know, they'll once the, if they know you're not a qualifier, they won't even waste their time because – there's a lot of good football players in the, in the in the world in, in the country. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of good kids out there that are taking care of business, um, in the classroom, and it's it's a competition, right? Recruiting the recruiting is a competition. You you are competing against kids all throughout the country. Now there's kids in other countries playing football. It's not just Rhode Island. I know a lot of our guys get caught up thinking that it's Hendrickson versus LaSalle and the D1. All, but you're competing against kids from all over the country when it comes to scholarships. So you got to make sure that you're taking care of business in the classroom and there's nothing holding you back from getting that offer. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, you said no excuses. How do you feel like if you deal with a player and you hear a lot of excuses? I don't like I don't like excuses. Find a way. And if somebody's making excuses, that, that just as a coach, um, that just lets me know that that kid ain't really built like that. You know, if, if a kid is if he's making excuses because the great players, the kids that are gonna win you games and gonna win you and playoff games and stuff like that, they're not making excuses. They're gonna do whatever it takes. So um, 
if you're making excuses, man, that that kind of says something about your character. So you want that's something you want to work on. Um, is you know, no excuses. If a coach is telling you to do something that's within the scheme or you, it, it's it's the right thing to do. Um, you got to kind of be selfless in the sense to to take care of business. Do you think a lot of coaches give? You know, say I'm sure this happens all the time. I've seen it happen. I've been a part of it. Do you think like you'll give the like the Stanleys and the Jordans, the Angels get the benefit of the doubt over a kid that may there may be a kid that's okay, he might be able to play, but you see him kind of dog rep every now and then. Are you not going to give that kid a chance just because you can see his attitude? You don't want to bet your coaching livelihood on it. You rather just roll the Angels or the Stanleys opposed to that kid just because you trust Angel more. So me personally, or like the college coaches, like it's both, like you personally. Yeah. So uh, me personally, I'm gonna get on that kid. You know, like if he's dogging it and he's not doing what he got to do, I'm gonna push him. You know, I'm gonna be on him. I'm gonna make sure. You know, what he, <laughs> life can be easy, and you you know do what you got to do, or life can be harder, and I'm gonna be on you. I'm gonna be on your case, making sure you're doing what you got to do. Um, but you know, you can't. You know, at the end of the day, I think you, as a coach. You want to have a relationship with players that you tr like that you trust your players, right? And coaches are going to give kids opportunities that they trust. If I trust a kid, I know that this kid's been working his butt off all week in practice. Those are the kids that play. If a kid's missing practice um, throughout the week, if he's dogging lifts, if he's not focused, he's not serious, I'm not going to trust pitting that kid out there on a Friday night um, to to try to win me a, to try to win us a game because he's he hasn't been pitting to work and he's been dogging it. I see that so. For me, it comes down to preparation and um, really trust. I, I got to trust a kid in order for me to put him in position on a Friday. But, but coach, I, I'm fast. I know the playbook. You just don't give me the chance. If you give me the chance, I'll show you. I need to see it. I need to see it uh, Monday through Thursday. I need to see it during the week because you're going to practice. The way you practice and prepare is the way you play. You want to work so hard on Monday through Thursday that when you go out there on a game day, the games are easy for you. So preparation matters at every single level. So if a kid's telling me that, that just lets me know that that kid has the wrong mentality. And I have to educate this young man on the fact that you thinking that you can just turn on, turn on the switch isn't the right way to, to approach the game because you're going to go out there, you're going to make a mistake, you're going to forget what you got to do, you're going to get beat, and you're going to put the team in position to lose because you have the mentality that you can just flip the switch. And also, if you're a kid that has talent, I want you to be a role model for the rest of the kids because if you're a kid that's a good football player on the team, whether you like it or not, other kids are going to be looking at you. So if you're dogging it and you're not doing the right thing, then other kids are going to start doing that. And then I'm going to have to get, get on the whole team. So I'd rather just get on that one kid, make an example out of him, and, um, and, and push him to, to make sure that he's doing what he has to do. Coach, when I came to off-season workouts, I was lifting January when Angel wasn't there. I come in, you put me on the A squad and a seven on seven. I let up two passes. Angel let up three, and now you bench me. You're not benching Angel. How's yeah. that fair to me? <laughs> well, at the end of the day, um, it's about you got to be a player too. You know, like we, I, I see you. I see you working hard. I'm, I'm gonna pitch you in positions to get successful. I'm gonna reward your hard work. But um, you know, if I gotta do like Angel. Angel's a dog, you know, at the end of the day. I know what he can do, and I know what you can do if you're working. So um, that's that's a tough question to answer. I think it's, it's really that, like – I'm sure that happens all the time. Yeah. That exact situation. Yeah. I, can't, I come to workouts, you're giving Angel the ball. Well, I, everybody comes to my workout. Like, if I'm the coach, I'm not – there's no favoritism, man. Like, I, I'll, I'll put it that way. When I'm – every team that I've coached, um, there's no favoritism as far as, you know, like one quote that I try to live by as a, co uh, as a coach – is um, you're not going to treat everybody equally, but I'm going to treat everybody fairly. Everybody in life ain't equal. Like, you know, the, the, your, your starting quarterback isn't equal to the kid that's on the backup. <laughs> but I'm going to treat everybody fairly. You're right. I don't think I've had a player, even my bench guys, like the guys that aren't getting in as much, those guys feel like I respect them as people and I, and I treat them fairly. So um, when it comes down to that, everybody's going to have to work. You know, nobody, like, even in my star players, they're not going to come to practice dogging it, and I'm going to be cool with that. So um, I haven't really been in that situation too much because kids know I hold everybody accountable. Yeah, but I love to hear that. Yeah. I just know you know what I'm talking about. That conversation yeah. was happening all the time amongst co other coaches and stuff, things along those lines. You know, we kind of went through breakthrough. We went through you, high school, how we met, things along those lines. And um, I wore this shirt strategically because I know you're a big Kobe guy. Facts, yep. 
Do you have anybody who you look up to like that? I know like back in high school, I'm sure things changed. I doubt it, but you know, it was, um, do you have anybody you look up to, you know, give you inspiration and who put that dog into you? I know you said your uncle, but anything like sports figures you look up to and things along those lines Kobe. for motivation? It's still Kobe. Kobe's my guy. Me and Kobe got the same birthday. And um, I've been a Kobe fan since I was 10 years old, watching him and uh, Shaq and, and the Lakers back in the day playing against Allen Iverson in, uh, in the finals. I think that's when I really became a fan of Kobe, not even knowing that we shared the same birthday, but just his approach. And, and even back then as a kid, I just think there was something about him, the focus, the determination, and his will to win. Um, and, and with Kobe, he's a, he's a big worker. You know, he's a guy that it's about the preparation. It's about no waking up at 4 a.m., pitting in the work and outworking people and just having that dog mentality. And I think, you know, that's something that, you know, as an athlete that I tried to have and as a, even as a coach and, and as, a, as a person, you want to have that mentality because whether it's sports or life, if you have that mentality, you're going to be successful. Yeah, so do you have any, um, any books or anything like that you, you read for motivation on top of that? You know, I'm a, I'm a man of faith, so I definitely read scripture. You know, I definitely read scripture and I learn a lot from, from the Bible. And um, as far as books goes, I, li I listen to a lot of audio books. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch a lot of YouTube videos for motivation. Anything that can help me to get better as a person. I think I'm really big on personal development and just trying to be the best version of myself. Um, you know, every single day I have a to-do list. I know what I got to do. Some days it's harder to f to follow it, but you know every single day I try to have a to do list. I try to get up early. I try to you know get my prayer meditation in. I try to go to the gym and work out. Um, you know I try to read like ten to ten to thirty minutes a day. Um, and I, and I'm a work in progress. I haven't figured it all out. Some days are easier than others. Some days things get hectic and I kind of get off script. But just having a plan. You know when you wake up in the morning, you want to know what you got to get, know what you got to do. And not just be walking aimlessly, you know what I mean. So that's a lot of people's yeah. issue when they're like, yeah. "Oh, I'm not accomplishing Too much anything." Free time, you know what I mean. Like if you kind of have a plan, yeah, you know you're gonna know what you got to do. You're gonna be focused. Everything you're gonna do is gonna have a purpose. So I think, um, you know, that's kind of if you you know want to be successful, you want to be productive as a person. Um, things that you can develop. Yeah, surround yourself with uh, you know, people who are developing as developing as well. Mm -hmm. I think you know you are you, you surround yourself with. Yep. You know, a lot of uh, college kids are coming on, high school rising seniors. I tell them, especially when you're going to college, you know, go to these networking events. People may laugh at you. are like, oh, what are you doing? Bro, those are the people who are going to be successful in life, you know. Yeah. Like you said, they're filling their free time. Like even this with the podcast. I could be watching Netflix right now with uh, popcorn, eating pizza right now. But, Definitely. you know, like. You're meeting I, a lot. You're talking to people. You're networking and. Hear yeah. people's stories, but I think everybody has a story if you can get it out of them. And, you know, I can learn stuff. I've learned stuff from you that I didn't know about previously to today. And, um, you know, I think it's great. And always meeting people and seeing, you know, what's the next thing for Rhode Island. And, um, you know, I think we've like I said before, we share that common connection where I want Rhode Island to grow with, um, you know, football, businesses. Um, if I can help these kids get like an NIL deal going into college, you know, I'm not asking these kids for anything. You know, if anything comes out about it, like I know Carl got something like a, sp a sponsor or something like that. And um, these kids still reach out to me nowadays. Like Carl hit me up yesterday. Shout out to Carl. He's committed to UMass Dartmouth. Yes, sir. Shout out to my boy Carl, man. We got to get in the lab and get right this offseason. Yes, sir, baby. Him, you know, Angel, Dante, uh, doing big things next year at UMass Dartmouth. And I was doing this shit to, you know, to see people grow and get bigger, you know. Mm -hmm. I think that's, um, that's what, you know. But my motivation to do this, yep. and um, you know, that's my motivation. What plans should we see for 2023 from my guy, Coach Dunbar? I would just say sticking to the script, man. It's you probably won't see too much new. You probably see me coaching football again uh, somewhere in the fall. I'm talking to a couple schools right now. Um, haven't really made a decision yet, but you know, I think I'll be coaching somewhere in the fall and just continuing to do this breakthrough thing. Continuing to grow, man. Continuing to help kids. Just sticking to the script. You know, this is what I love to do. So just trying to get better at it. You know, trying to do things better. But, you know, all the same stuff, but just, just trying to take it to an, another level. Yeah, man. I love to hear it. Any last words? Anybody you want to give a shout out to that uh, means something to you or got you to where you are now like in this moment in your life? I want to shout out my wife, Swaylene. I want to shout out um, her because just her support, you know, behind the scenes, doing all the dirty work and making sure um, I'm mentally and spiritually in the right state of mind. My, my family, my mom, my sisters, my, my, my nieces, my nephews, shout out to my family for all the support. Um, shout out to all the coaches that are, you know, that I've been with Breakthrough, Mike Washington, 
Blake Simpson, Charlie Bebo, um, all the coaches that coach in my 7v7 Summer League, all the breakthrough kids, all the kids from Rhode Island trying to get to the next level. Whether you're rocking with breakthrough or you're playing for another team, shout out to you guys. Keep working, keep grinding. Um, Rhode Island's getting on the map. Shout out to Nation Montgomery out in Florida doing his thing. His pops, Chiefy, for, you know, just having a plan for his son and putting him in the right direction. Um, shout out to all the dads out there and, and families that are committed to putting their kids in the right situation to be successful and making those sacrifices because, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot. You know, this off-season training, these seven-on-sevens, all the stuff that these parents do to get their kids to the next level, it's a lot, man. So shout out to you guys. Um, that's all I got. Yeah, man, it's definitely a lot. I was doing a lot of stuff for Brandon. Um, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but it definitely is a lot. So definitely shout out to those parents because, um, you know, they may not say it in the moment, but deep down inside, those kids definitely appreciate it. They may not appreciate it in the moment, but after they graduate, they're definitely going to appreciate and uh, having you there for them and having the coaches like you, uh, Coach Washington, Coach Alex, you know, like uh, Dornber. They're all, you know, these kids definitely oh, yeah. appreciate what hey, you're I doing. I forgot about my guys, man. Shout out to the sauce, man. Uh, Alfred Dorber, my, my guys, my, my little brothers, always supportive, always energy's always, you know, genuine, um, not a not a bone of hate in their body, man. And those guys have been rocking with Breakthrough from the beginning as well. I was training those guys when they were playing college football. So shout out to you guys for your support and the brotherhood. Keep working, man. Yeah, man, definitely keep working. Make sure you follow Breakthrough Elite FB on Instagram. Make sure you follow my guy, Stanley Dunbar Jr. Jr. on Instagram. Send it to the moon. Make sure you support them. Their tournament's coming up. I really appreciate you coming through. You gotta come through again. Get some updates. Uh, maybe have a conversation with you and Monk. That, yeah, that's yeah, let's do that's it, Saint, that reunion, Saints reunion. Reunion, Saints reunion. I'm down. I'll get Gian on. Get Stanley. Let's I mean, go. get uh, get Nile on. Let's, let's get that. Uh, let's, let's get that reunion, baby. Yep. And um, yeah, man, keep doing what you're doing. I, you know, I'm proud of you, man. And seeing someone like a fellow Saints alum, a fellow minority doing things in the Rhode Island community is, um, you know, I, I'm definitely proud of you, man. Because I know it's not easy, especially the social media, the marketing of it is definitely not easy. Putting these reels together, yep. it is a full time job. Yep. Shout out to you, man. As you said, a, a Saint Ray's guy, bro. And as a, you know, I was a couple years older than you. Just seeing, you know, really not. I wouldn't say your evolution because I felt like you've always been a kid that had a plan and was always focused on doing something positive. But just seeing the work that you're doing and the production, um, and how professional this is. Like it's it's this is you know the most professional podcast in the state right now and I I think you're gonna blow up brother like what you're doing the marketing behind it and uh, you know you you kind of have a plan so I'm I'm really excited to see where this goes because I think it's gonna blow up shout out to you thank you man I appreciate it I appreciate your support you coming on and we definitely gotta do it again uh, I'm actually really intrigued for that Saints reunion podcast let's go let's do it <laughs> up baby and make sure you follow your boy send it to the moon follow your boy E G Pot Thunder on all social media. Your my travel ventures, X4F, all social medias. Let's get it, baby. <laughs>